Coming up on the Rami Lavi podcast, Super Bowl Sunday preview and your gambling guide to Super Bowl 57 between Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs and Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles should be an awesome game. The two best teams in the league are going at it. These guys have been the two best teams in the league all year long. I will give you some keys to the game for both sides and who I think and who my pick is to win this game. Also, Kevin Durant is on the move. The NBA trade deadline hijacked uh, NFL Super Bowl week and Super Bowl Thursday and the NFL honors was tonight as well and all those different things that happened. So much going on. A lot to talk about, a lot to get into, so we'll talk some NBA trade deadline as well. That and a whole lot more coming up next on the Rami Levy podcast. Stay tuned. One of the things I talk about on this podcast a lot is the stigma against mental health. I think, unfortunately, there has been a stigma, but we're slowly breaking it. And if you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, overwhelmed, or maybe you just want to talk to someone, today's sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help. Talk to your therapist in a private online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000 plus therapist network that may not be available in your area. You just fill out a questionnaire to help access your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Plus, you can exchange unlimited text messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. So I talk about on this podcast how your mindset towards things changes everything. One of the things that I learned in therapy was that join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Rami. That's my first name. That's betterhelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash R-A-M-I, my first name, Rami. If you use that link, the link is in the description in the podcast notes. If you use that link, you'll get 10% off and it'll also help me out. So please do that. I'm telling you it's worth it. Do it today. Welcome back to the Rami La V podcast episode 134 and the Super Bowl has been hijacked. Super Bowl week has been hijacked by the NBA and the NBA trade deadline. We're still going to talk Super Bowl, don't worry. We're going to talk about the game. We're going to preview it. We're going to give you some bets. Hopefully make you some money. I did pretty well so far. 5-1 and one in my last six picks uh, in the playoffs. So doing pretty well. That was obviously the first round. I was 3-3 three and three, and then... Since then, 5-1. and one. Still overall playoff record is really good. And obviously, the recent record is even better. So we'll continue to do some pick stuff and we'll talk about the game and all that stuff coming up a little bit later. But first, early Thursday morning, there was some news. Early Thursday morning on the East Coast, it was about 1 a.m. I was in bed, ready to go to sleep. And I see the notification on my phone. It's that time of year, you turn on your tweet notifications for Woj and Shams and you get the notification. Kevin Durant has been traded to the Phoenix Suns. Now, I told you how I felt about this. I told you that I thought the Nets should have waited, that it wasn't the right time yet to trade him. I thought that maybe they should have waited um, to the summer, try and figure something out. You have one of the top players in the league, but obviously Sean Marks saw the writing on the wall and he got a return that he could get. And the report, which I said on my podcast on last episode, that I told you that why would anyone trade with the Nets to help them get rid of or help Kevin Durant stay, they should want the Nets to have to get rid of Kevin Durant. So if you're Toronto, why would you give OG Ananobi in a trade to the Nets and help them keep Durant happy? Why would you give them something that would make them think that they're a championship caliber team? Or if you're the Suns, 
why would you give them Chris Paul and help them this season, right? Chris Paul could have gone to the Nets. It could have gone the other way. Why would you do that instead? Let's say no. And then actually, um, it was Brian Windhorst who went on ESPN and said that exact thing. He said that teams around the league felt like, why should we help the Nets right now? We don't want to help the Nets. And instead, we feel like we can pry Durant away from them either now or in the summer. And I guess Sean Marks um, decided there's no point in waiting. And to me, like the Kyrie deal was kind of revealing in the sense that they were still hoping to fix it. They were still hoping to mend things with Kevin Durant and have him continue to play out the rest of the season and go for it one more time. Um, But I guess the other teams in the league weren't going to let that happen. But before we get into everything, let's make no mistake about this. This entire thing is over. The Brooklyn experiment, the two superstars originally going from their respective places, obviously choosing the Nets as their home and all the laughing, the expense of the New York Knicks mostly, but the rest of the league, they were going to sit out for a year or really Durant was going to sit out the first year, but it was okay because he's going to come back and he's going to play and there's Kyrie Irving and these two guys, they decided to team up and create a super team in Brooklyn. And then it leads to a James Harden trade. And then ultimately he gets flipped for Ben Simmons. And they came close. Kevin Durant's foot was a little bit too big. And then it blows up in their face. Durant asks out in the summer. He doesn't get traded. They're like, run it back one more time. They probably hit their peak. And it's hard to say that with James Harden wasn't their peak. But I think the peak of this team was the last 18 games that Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant played together in which they were... 18 and 2. And then what happens is Kyrie Irving asks out and it all blows up. But this isn't the first time. The downfall of this entire thing, this entire experiment, falls solely at the feet of Kyrie Irving. The only reason they traded, a lot of people point to the James Harden situation as the first time this totally fell apart because if they don't trade for James Harden, remember they didn't give up any assets, they didn't give up any picks to get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to Brooklyn. This was a long-term thing. They were building for the future, but they didn't have any picks to give up at that point. They didn't need to give up any picks. They came in free agency, and they had a nice team around them. Jared Allen, a bunch of other pieces. They had a really nice team around Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And then Kyrie Irving goes AWOL, disappears, and James Harden was going to be sent to Philadelphia directly, and it was almost a done deal that he was going to Philly, which is was apparently his preferred destination all along. And he was going to go to Philly, and then Kyrie Irving goes AWOL. We don't know where he is. He's not answering phone texts. He's not answering calls. He just needed a break. No one knew why. He doesn't tell anyone why. The Nets panic. They're like, we need to do something just in case Kyrie Irving doesn't come back. He might be retired. Who knows if he's playing another game? They go out and they get James Harden and they probably overpay for him and they give up all those assets and they basically say, okay, now here's the team. It's Kyrie, Kevin, and James. Kyrie, are you in? And he's like, yeah, let's go. I'm in. I'm in for the playoff run. He ultimately doesn't even play. He gets hurt in the playoffs. Can't really fault him for that, but he gets hurt. But at this point now, there's so much leaning on these three guys. And one of the three guys is a guy who phoned it in and mailed it in and asked out of his previous location in Houston. And now that's one of the guys you're relying on. And then the next year, Kyrie Irving doesn't get vaccinated. 
and he can't play in any of the games. They hold him out of the home games also, which might have been a mistake on their part, but ultimately that was the decision they decided to make. They only wanted him if he was going to play in the home games or if he was, or they hold him out of the road games. If he wasn't going to play in the whole home games, they didn't want him playing in the road games. Um, ultimately, he doesn't play. James Harden gets fed up with that situation, says, guys, I didn't sign up for this crazy circus. I wanted to go to Philly. I'm out. So now you have to trade me. So ultimately, they try and recoup some of the stuff that they gave away in the Harden trade. Ultimately, they get Ben Simmons back. Obviously, a major downgrade. You might even rather have Ben, rather have the pieces that you had originally around Kyrie and Kevin Durant than the pieces you got in the Ben Simmons trade. But okay, they resolve that somewhat. And then they're playing well, and they're playing as good as they ever played. And then Kyrie Irving asks out. He goes, and Kevin Durant obviously was the next to follow. And then... Kyrie blames the Nets on the way out and makes them try and tries to make them look like the dysfunctional organization that it was their dysfunction. This was all you, Kyrie. Him saying he's happy KD quote unquote got out after he was traded. You were the problem, Kyrie Irving, nothing else. That is, let's be a hundred percent clear here. The problem was Kyrie Irving and no one or anything else. They did everything you asked for. First, they hired Steve Nash. Then they traded for James Harden. Then they traded away James Harden for you. Then they fired Steve Nash for you. Everything you asked for. They dealt with your sabbaticals, your suspensions, your no vaccine, your injuries, every single thing, all with the guaranteed money. And the moment they said to you that, hey, we we kind of want a little bit of a return on this investment. We just want a little bit, just a tiny ounce back from you. That was it for you. Not only do you leave, but you trash them on the way out. Saying you're so happy for Kevin and you can't wait to see him and play against him and hang out with him on the West Coast now that you're in the same conference. All that fun stuff. What are you talking about, Kyrie? And I wish someone in the media in in Dallas, and they they have no reason to do this because why would they want to get on his bad side? He just showed up there. Him walking with the fans after the game and doing the whole Kyrie, like, look at me, everyone should love me. And I'll score 25 in the first game. We'll win even with Luka out. I roll emoji. Yeah, that's the first week. Let's see how this progresses because everything has told us that it's not going to progress well. Everything Kyrie has ever done because you can leave Brooklyn and you can go back and trash that organization and pretend they were the problem, but you were the problem all along. And Sean Marks and what the Brooklyn Nets were able to do, even though it meant trading a generational talent, maybe a top 15 NBA player of all time and the greatest scorer of our generation... You had to trade him away just to clean up your mess, but they did whatever they could because now it's recovery mode. Now they just need to recover from all this. They need to like take a step back and like just bathe themselves of that whole thing. Would they do it again if they had the choice? Of course they would. But it's over now, and, and now they just need a chance to breathe and relax and reset as a franchise. So Kyrie Irving, you pretending that they're toxic and they're the issue, you're the issue. And I I hope it goes well for him in Dallas because what I talked about on last episode where if it doesn't go well over the next few months, like, okay, that's one thing. And all right, so he's out the end. He'll have to find someone else to sign him to a contract. Probably the Lakers. LeBron will hold a gun to their head and they'll sign him to a crazy contract that they shouldn't sign him to. But what if it works out over the next few months and they sign Kyrie to the guaranteed money he's looking for the long-term deal? 
that's the real downside because that could be Luka's ticket out of, out of town. If Luka Doncic was ever going to ask out, if he was ever going to get upset, who do you think would be the one guy who could drive him insane enough where he'd be like, I can't handle this. I need to leave. I need to trade. I bet it would be Kyrie Irving. So if you're if you're Dallas and you're looking to sign Kyrie Irving, I don't know, his three months of good behavior, good luck. I don't know if he'll last the next three months on good behavior. But if he does, I'd still be very careful what you give him because he's proven what he is. The return was good for the Nets, obviously on the Durant trade. You get the four first-round picks, Michael Bridges, Cam Johnson, a lot of good players. Um, and, and look, that's what you want. They have a really deep wing team now they have like seven wings on their team which ultimately that's kind of players that you want in the nba guys with length who can shoot who can handle the ball stuff like that um i'm it's weird that they didn't flip it for anything else like now they just have a bunch of really good assets it's almost like sean marks is like i need a break after that the last 48 72 hours i need a break just leave me alone during the deadline because it felt like he probably should have flipped some of that stuff but they have the summer. They'll figure stuff out in the summer. And if there's anyone I trust, I trust Sean Marks. Like, remember, they had Garnett and Pierce and Terry and Darren Williams and Joe Johnson and that mess and that disaster. That left them in a worse situation than they are in currently. They had no draft picks. They had no nothing on the horizon. No young talents coming up. Now they have a roster full of, I guess, misfit, but misfit young talent that they can sort through the next 30 games left in the season if they go 500, they'll probably be a top six seed and automatically make the playoffs anyway, even if they just go 500 the rest of the way. The East got weaker, right? By Kind of by virtue of Kevin Durant and Kyrie not being there. But they can sort through this talent. They have all these picks. They can decide, okay, who do we want to keep? Who do we want to get rid of? Can we build with this? Can we trade some of this talent for a superstar who becomes available or for a borderline star and start to compete in the East in the next couple of years? Can we use some of these draft picks, this draft capital to actually draft players? And who better to do it than Sean Marks, who already proved that he could do it once when he built this team up from shambles and did when they were nothing. Maybe they should bring Kenny Atkinson back too. Although I think Jacques Vaughn has done a good job. And it's crazy that we were talking about the good job that Jacques Vaughn has done only a couple of weeks ago. But that, that's how quickly it turned. But now you don't have that. You don't have the headache. You don't have those guys. So I look, for on the Brooklyn side, they, they came out of this as good as they possibly could. As much as I want to sit here and laugh at the Nets and make fun and all that stuff, and ha, ah, Brooklyn, and I did that last night. I trolled on Twitter, and I might get myself a Kevin Durant net jersey I, just for the hell of it. I have a Kevin Durant OKC jersey. I have his basketball sneakers. I'm a big Kevin Durant guy. But um, yeah, Brooklyn, it's funny. You're the little brother again. But like I said, they have the guy in place to take them to the next level and actually get them out of this situation. I trust what they have in their front office right now for Kevin Durant on the other side, this narrative is going to follow him forever. Um, he had his team in OKC. It was clearly, this was Kevin Durant's team. He takes them into the finals and you know, one of his first years, he's still young. You have a young James Harden or a young Russell Westbrook, but it's Kevin Durant's team. They go to the finals. They lose in five games to obviously a heat team that was that overmatched them, and that's prime LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and all those guys, Chris Bosh. You're not going to beat that team. Understandable. Kevin gets hurt a couple of times. They trade James Harden. It takes a while before they click again, and then the next time they're in a position where it really felt like they could win, they run into a 72 win or 73 win. Um, Warriors team that obviously was... Uh, technically, they were on a road for destiny until they lost um, to the Cavs, but 
don't forget, OKC was up 3-1 in that series, and then they blow the lead. They lose to Golden State, and then Kevin Durant joins the team that is the greatest team of all time without him, and he joins them, and they win a couple of finals, but it was never his team. It was Steph Curry's team. It was even Draymond Green's team and Clay Thompson's team, and Kevin Durant was kind of like Charles Barkley said. He was just the rider, and he always claimed it didn't bother him. I'm a great scorer. I, I'm fine with who I am. I'm comfortable. I don't care what people say about me on Twitter. But clearly it did bother him because he then leaves the Warriors. Why would you leave Steph Curry? Why would you leave Steph Curry and hit your wagon to maybe the worst teammate ever uh, in Kyrie Irving when you had the best teammate of all time in Stephen Curry? Instead, you hit your wagon to the wrong guy, obviously, um, and you decide to join forces with Kyrie Irving. The narrative only gets worse for Kevin Durant as after he leaves, the Warriors go through a little mini rebuild of their own and then still win a championship with the same exact core from before he was there with Steph Curry, with Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green, they win another championship. And then Kevin Durant can't get it done in his own place where he's the man in Brooklyn. So he decides to get traded to a place. And I'm not saying he chose them, but he gets traded to a place, another team that was in the finals before he even showed up in the Phoenix Suns who were in the finals just a couple years ago. And as good as Kevin Durant is, and he will immediately be the best player on that team, the face of that team is probably Devin Booker, and the leader of that team, and whose team it is, is Chris Paul. And so Kevin Durant, the narrative surrounding him as a basketball player in his career, will be the same. And maybe he really doesn't care. Maybe the Brooklyn thing was just he wanted to try something new. Maybe it was for business. Maybe he really thought Kyrie Irving was the right guy to hitch his wagon to. I don't know what he thought. But Kevin Durant... The narrative will follow him. Whether they win, it's, well, this team was good enough without you, right? They were in the finals without you. It's still not your team. And if they lose, it's, oh, my God. Even with this team, and for Chris Paul, the narrative is the same. If they can't win, if Chris Paul can't win now, I mean, that's tough. So, Kevin Durant, I don't know what to tell you. You better win. But even if you do win, the narratives is just... And this is what he chose, and I really don't think he cares. I think he loves playing basketball. I think he loves ball, but... This is a narrative that he's had his whole career and he's going to have it forever. He's never going to be considered the driver. He's never going to be considered the guy who a team wins because of him. You can win with him because he's one of the greatest players and he's plug and play in any team in the league. That's one of the, the rare things about Kevin Durant, different than maybe every single player in the NBA. So you took him off the team he's on now and you put him on every team, he'd fit almost immediately. And he's a superstar who can just fit on any team, any roster. The fact that he was able to fit on the Warriors, a Warriors team that was so stacked and so loaded and so many great shooters, he'll fit anywhere. It's what makes him so special. One of the things that makes him so special, but that's all he is. He's an uber talented guy that in my opinion, if Carmelo Anthony got treated like that, where he was plucked onto these magical super teams, you think he couldn't have played in his prime, the same role that Kevin Durant's playing? He probably could have. And that's the point. The point is that he'll never be more than that. Even though no one would argue that Kevin Durant is probably a greater player than Carmelo ever was. But he'll never be more than that because he was never the leader. He was never the one carrying a team to championships. And I don't care what the finals MVPs say. It's just, it wasn't him. It wasn't his team. And again, it'll be the same situation in Phoenix. So now there's one team that's left relevant in New York, as it should be. That's my Knicks. They get Josh Hart. Um, it's he's a perfect Nick. Uh, Josh Hart, he plays hard. He plays defense. He's a great rebounder. He's actually the best rebounder for his size. Um, he literally he's made in a lab for Tibbs. He's a wing guy who can slash. He can shoot a little threes. He can create a little bit off the dribble. Um, he played obviously at Nova with Jalen Brunson. 
the video of Jalen Brunson having his jersey retired and being at Villanova and then one of his friends telling him, hey, look, you saw we just traded for Josh Hart and his reaction is so genuine and so cool. And it, it fires you up. It makes you excited. Like people clearly really like Jalen. People clearly, clearly uh, really like uh, Josh Hart. I was hoping Mikael Bridges or Michael Bridges would be part of that deal as well. Somehow they can get him from the Nets. I, that was what I was hoping for. Uh, that would probably be a first round pick. He's a really talented young wing player who plays probably the best defensive player in the league. He can also shoot threes probably better than Josh Hart, but he's also another one of those players that you'd like. Um, the RJ Barrett minutes are going to continue to go down. He's already struggling to find minutes at the end of games. There's another guy who's a wing stretch three type of guy who's going to fill those minutes that RJ Barrett would get. And he, he's going to play defense. He's going to give effort. You're going to see those minutes continue to dwindle. And the RJ Barrett story is going to continue to become more and more of a story. And we'll get into it a little bit next week on next week's podcast on Wednesday uh, when we talk to a friend of mine. Um, and I, I kind of told you guys that we're doing that podcast. So, um, We'll talk about it more on that episode. That's that's all I want to say for now about RJ. But RJ could have been the headliner of a potential trade. And Bill Simmons said this, and I trust Bill when he speaks, that the Knicks were very close to getting Kevin Durant. They were the team that was in it. It was kind of silently working through the Nets. There weren't a lot of rumors swirling about the Nets trading Kevin Durant. Um, but one of the teams that was right there in it, and apparently this maybe the second team, and I'm glad this wasn't so public because if it was public, they'd be getting killed again, just like they got killed after failing to get Donovan Mitchell. The playing field wasn't fair. It wasn't leveled. If you think about it, it probably would have been a package including Obi Toppin, four picks, RJ Barrett would have been one of the guys going back. And so the RJ Barrett story is really interesting. But when I heard that, I got immediately terrified that the Knicks were going to overreact. They didn't get, they obviously didn't get Donovan Mitchell in the summer. Now they failed to get Kevin Durant. Um, and for the Nets, it makes sense. Yeah, send them out west. And they got really good assets. They got really good assets back. Um, Brooklyn did from Phoenix. So the trade makes sense for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, but I was hoping that the Knicks didn't overreact because the rumors throughout the day uh, were that the Knicks were going to trade for Zach Levine. And I was terrified that that would happen. One of the rumors was that it was Obi Top and RJ Barrett picks and it was Quentin Grimes in the trade. And I was like, what are we doing here? That would be crazy. I'm so happy. I actually trust this front office. They didn't make that trade. Um, I made the joke that watching Twitter and refreshing it over and over again, hoping not to see a trade is like betting an under in a game. It's like not a fun experience. Like hoping to see a trade and being excited for your team to make a trade is one thing, but you know, that's like betting the over. Like it's, it's always, Oh, there's a possibility. Every trade you see, you're excited. This year dreading a trade is, is awful. That's an awful uh, experience to have. Um, News came out, I think it was Ian Begley who reported that, the, or Mark Berman, someone that the Knicks actually like what they have. Um, and Tibbs likes the roster, and the roster, the players like each other. Um, and there's a chemistry with this team, and they want to continue building. And I think that's the right way to do it. Um, Obi Toppin and Evan Fournier, Derek Rose all stick around. I was kind of hoping, in a weird way, I was hoping Derek Rose uh, would end up in Milwaukee. That was one of the rumors because I, to me, I think Milwaukee is going to come out of the East still. I love Milwaukee. And I would have been so happy to see Derrick Rose get those bench minutes um, as the backup point guard behind Drew. Uh, just, you know, if, if he was just a 15, 20 minute a game guy in the playoffs, I, I would love to see that for him because I love Derrick Rose so much. Um, I'm happy he's still a Nick. So that's part of it. But, you know, I won't get to see him play much because he doesn't play much for the Knicks. Evan Fournier, his one night stand that he had the other night was fun. 
Um, and I give him a ton of credit for staying ready and his defensive effort in that game and his energy in that game um, and the way he played off ball on offense and the way he played taking the ball to the cup and facilitating a little bit. Um, so give him all the credit in the world. And Obi Toppin, I mean, are you still going to play him only 12, 14 minutes a game? If that's the case, then I don't know why you held on to him. Um, apparently, there were teams that were willing to trade a bunch for him, but the Knicks were asking for too much. But how could you not play a guy and show that he has no value to you and um, and then still ask for a ton in return for him? So I don't understand really what the Knicks wanted in that situation. And so Obi Toppin, to me, uh, I don't understand why they uh, held on to him. But I, again, I'm happy they did because ultimately I do hope that they can find a place for him. I, I still would like to see him play a little five or have Julius play a little five and him play four. But uh, Tibbs, the, the rumors are Tibbs doesn't love his IQ. Uh, he doesn't love his defensive ability. He doesn't love what he does on the floor. And so, you know, he seems like a guy who can really play. Actually, he's developed a shot. He's shown more stuff off the dribble. Um, but I don't know if, again, it, it's up to Tibbs. At the end of the day, Tibbs is going to coach the guys the way he likes to coach. Um, and it's another case where it feels like maybe the the front office and Tom Thibodeau are not exactly on the same page. And getting a guy like Josh Hart tells you that they're on the exact same page. And then when they don't trade away Obi Toppin, it's like, wait, what are we doing here? Overall for the Knicks, they trade away Cam Reddish. And maybe you're the problem, Cam Reddish, if you you're a young kid who has a lot of talent and you still couldn't get any minutes in Atlanta. Now you still couldn't get any minutes in New York. And I'm sure there'll be a tell all story that he comes out with and how mistreated he was, but this is the second place. This is not the first time this has happened. So maybe you're the problem. Maybe it's time to look in the mirror. Overall, I'm pretty happy with what the Knicks did because at the end of the day, the East just got weaker. Toronto didn't do anything to get much better or much worse. Same goes for the Bulls. They didn't really move at all. There's still those three teams at the top with Boston and Philly and um, the Bucks, obviously, like I said. Also, you have the Cavs, who are a really good team, but they didn't get better at the deadline either. Like, they didn't add anything at the deadline. They're a solid team. I don't think they're a great team. So it's really three teams and then one fringe team. And then Knicks, they could land in the five seed or the six seed um, and maybe even win a playoff round against one of those teams. I don't think there's, I don't, I, the East is pretty weak right now. And so if the Knicks went around, that's, that's progress. And then you hope to figure out next year and you keep building, whether it's with draft picks or whoever becomes available, because there's always going to be a guy who comes available. I just don't think overreacting and trading for a guy who's not that great, whether it's OG Ananobi or Zach Levine, who are just not that guy that turns this team into a championship contender and they're decent players so nothing against them. Although I really don't think Zach Levine's that good, but decent players, but they're not the guy who's going to make differences on this team. And so I'm happy the Knicks uh, didn't overreact and trade for either one of them. This is going great, by the way. This is the Super Bowl preview podcast, and this is what we're doing here. So <laughs> don't worry, only a few more NBA stories to get through. The Lakers, obviously, always a story. So they finally trade Russell Westbrook. Um, and look, there was a negative vibe around the Lakers in what was such a special moment. And I didn't want to talk about it the other night because I didn't want to rain on LeBron's parade. I thought, like I said, he's one of the most special players and he's what's really cool is he's so special on the court and he's even more special off the court. But the problem is that him off the court as a basketball guy, not as a human being, but the off the court in relation to basketball stuff, he is the all-time worst teammate. Once you step between those lines, he is the best guy you want to play with. But off the court, he's not very good. 
And clearly something happened between him and Anthony Davis, and we don't know what it is because him telling Davis, man, you know I love you, you know I love you, right? And Davis just kind of ignoring him and the videos of Davis just sitting there on the sideline kind of pissed off when LeBron breaks the record. And obviously Westbrook was pissed off because LeBron does the sit-down interview where he says he's pissed that they didn't get Kyrie Irving. Well, the only way to get Kyrie Irving was to get rid of Russell Westbrook who's the guy that you wanted them to bring in. You made them go get the trade. And this is what LeBron has done time and time again. He holds his teams and his teammates hostage, and he treats everyone around him like they're just ride-alongs for the LeBron legacy show. And it's going to happen again. So you traded for D'Angelo Russell. All it's going to take is Russell trying to cook at the end of one game, which he's going to do because he's D'Angelo Russell. And LeBron gives him one look, and he's going to be pissed. And he's like, hey, you're messing up the flow. I don't know what's going on with the Lakers. I'm happy for Russell Westbrook they got out of there because he got way too much of the blame for something that wasn't necessarily and definitely not entirely his fault. And for a guy who's the most team-friendly, best teammate of all time on the court in LeBron James, he might be the most selfish, backstabbing teammate of all time off the court. And it's the weirdest dynamic. I need to add people to... This list, I started a list of people who I think should never be allowed to watch basketball again. Um, And that's people who compared Russell Westbrook's triple doubles to uh, Nikola Jokic's triple doubles. Added to the list is anyone who thought that John Wall was actually going to make the Clippers great. So all the people who got excited when they got John Wall, yeah, no, that wasn't ever going to work. A guy who's old, can't stay healthy, and can't shoot. What do you think was going to happen? But I think the biggest storyline after the Brooklyn demise at this trade deadline was all the second round picks. 38 in total second round picks were traded. And they were traded not for players who are great players, but players who are rotational players who are going to help these teams. And I think the NBA kind of hacked it where they're like, okay, of those 38 second round picks that were traded in total, what were they traded for? Five or six rotational guys? It was 38 picks traded for maybe 10 different players of those 38 picks. Are you going to get seven rotational guys of those 38 picks? Maybe with how the NBA draft works. Maybe that's the point. Teams are starting to realize they're not worth that much. Whereas a rotational player who can really help you build a championship team and play significant minutes on a championship roster is more important than five second round picks. And clearly the the NBA knows that. Overall, congratulations to the NBA. You steal the spotlight in Super Bowl week. Uh, It's Super Bowl Thursday, and I think the biggest story that anyone talked about was uh, the NBA, so that's cool. Also, um, Thursday night was the NFL honors. The Jets were all over it. They had two Hall of Famers, Joe Klecko and obviously Darrell Rivas. Now my two favorite players growing up, two favorite athletes growing up, Darrell Rivas and Derek Jeter are both Hall of Famers which makes me feel old. That doesn't make me feel great. Uh, those were two guys that were my favorite players <laughs> growing up, favorite athletes to watch. And now they're both Hall of Famers. So that kind of is is crazy. Um, but just as, you know, to get inducted into the Hall of Fame, the Jets are bringing up two more young players, Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner win the offensive and rookie and offensive and defensive rookie of the years. Uh, so the Jets, they're, they're building. Congrats, Joe Douglas, really, because that those two awards really tell me that he did just a, a, he knocked it out of the park. 
in the draft and now go find a quarterback who can actually play quarterback and this team can really be special because I think that if um, Quentin Williams played every game, he had a real chance to be the defensive player of the year. So this team is, is capable. This team is ready and let's go. It's, it's really time for takeoff. Let's go. Other notable stories, Brian Dable continues to just be, uh, I guess, America's sweetheart. He's the the love of fest of the NFL. Everyone loves Brian Dable. I'm jealous. He's so cool. He's so awesome when he wanted his speech, everything about him, his swag, the way he is. He's an awesome NFL head coach. And in year one of becoming his first head coaching job after being a coordinator, he wins the coach of the year. And congrats to Dable and the New York Giants, because that's awesome. And that team also, they're gonna they're just going to keep building and you saw how happy his player, Saquon Barkley, who was there, just how happy Saquon was for him. And it's just cool. It's a cool story. Um, other stories that were super cool, Demar Hamlin was there. And if you get a chance, I, I retweeted the videos. But um, they brought the entire Bills and Cincinnati Bengals medical staff onto the field as well, or onto the stage, as well as the um, the medical staff at the Cincinnati hospital that Tamar Hamlin recovered in and where his life was saved essentially. And then he came out and he spoke and he thanked everyone and they did a really cool video. And the NFL is awesome at that, that when there's something that's negative, they turn it into public, you know, great publicity for them in public and they start, you know, sucking themselves off and it's great. And, but I eat it up. I sat there and it was emotional. It was super cool. So I don't care what you say, but, um, it, I love that stuff. I'm a sucker for it. And so you got me NFL and I, maybe other people will make fun of it. I won't. I thought the moment was organic and cool and awesome and just uh it, it's every it's all the reasons why i love sports and it's it shows you that sports brings people together and reminds you that we're capable of more another example of that was dak prescott who i i didn't know really a lot about his story um his mom died of cancer and it was while he was you know in the process of uh, either in college or high school and becoming a quarterback and Ultimately, he gets to the NFL and he starts an organization for cancer research. And then in 2020, um, his brother takes his own life out of depression. Um, and he starts a, a an organization for suicide prevention and um, mental health awareness. And his speech was incredible. His acceptance speech as he won the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award was just awesome. Just incredible stuff. And so Tech Prescott, a guy who I've ripped on on this podcast a little too much, you I always talk about this where you sometimes forget that these guys, they're human beings and they have their stories and they have their things that they could go through. And so I don't care if Dak Prescott throws seven picks in an AFC or NFC championship game and loses it and all that stuff. And all those things that I say about him, what he's doing and what he's accomplishing off the field and in the work that he's doing is more important than anything. And he's using his platform in the greatest way possible. And so Hats off to him. I, I I mad respect to Dak Prescott. Just a really awesome, awesome guy. And I see why so many people do love him and root for him. And uh, he's he's one of my favorite players in the NFL now. I, I, that doesn't change my opinion of him as an NFL quarterback. But I understand why he gets in a locker room and people look at him as a leader and um, and why his teammates love him and why the coaching staff and, and the ownership and everyone in, in Dallas loves him because that is one hell of a dude. Um, that was super cool. And then uh, Patrick Mahomes won the MVP. He wins the 2022 MVP, and here's what he's done so far. He's been an NFL starter for five seasons. He has two NFL MVPs. He's been to five AFC title games. Every year he's been in the AFC title game, and all of them were at home. He's appeared in three Super Bowls. He's about to play in his third, right, on Sunday. He's won a Super Bowl MVP and won one of the two Super Bowls he's played in. He's got a chance to add to that on Sunday. He's a three-time All-Pro, five-time Pro Bowler, 
two-time passing touchdown leader in the NFL. Oh, and he broke the all-time NFL record for total yards in a season this season at 5,614 yards. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes is that special. If he retired today, if he decided to walk away from all of it, he'd be a Hall of Famer in only five years. And to think that he's going to do this for another 10 to 15 years, at least, we hope. Uh, yeah, just appreciate what you're watching on Sunday in the Super Bowl when you get an opportunity to watch Patrick Mahomes. And speaking of the Super Bowl, here we go. Super Bowl preview. Super Bowl 57. And it's a doozy. It should be a good one. It's the two best teams. It's the two one seeds. It's the guy who was the consensus MVP the entire season in Jalen Hurts against the guy who actually won the MVP because Jalen Hurts got hurt at the end of the season. It's everything you want in this game. It's all the storylines. It's the two brothers, the Kelsey brothers. It's Reed against his old team. It's the wild, crazy Philly fans and the crazy Chiefs fans. Every single thing you want is in this game. Philadelphia is favored by minus one and a half in this game. And we're going to do picks. We're going to do my picks a little bit later on. But I'm going to preview everything first. I'm going to talk about some of the props that you could bet on. Then we'll bring in our sponsor. We'll talk about my picks for this week. All right. How does that sound? That's the plan. So let's talk about Philly first. Um, Jalen Hurts admitted that he's not fully healthy. And so I think him running for that last touchdown against San Francisco was kind of him saying, yeah, I'm healthy. I'm ready to go. I'm going to be good to go. And if you ask me, he's the type of player we've seen this year who he's if he has the opportunity, he's going to go make a play. He's going to put his body on the line. This was the best team in the NFL the entire year. By the way, remember when I mentioned Lane Johnson? Maybe you don't remember him a false starting on every single play, how I brought that up in a group chat and multiple people brought it up. Well, apparently it's been going around on Twitter. Um, and I actually heard this explain that the league and other teams were actually writing into the referees and saying, guys, he's false starting on every single play. And it's not that he's false starting. He is so good and he knows the snap count so perfectly that he moves exactly a split second before the ball is being snapped or as the ball is being snapped, but because he does it every single time and because it's so precise, it is not a false start. They can't call it because it's almost too precise. Like you'd have to call it on every single snap. And the NFL has actually been looking for it because teams have been complaining about it. So the referees have been looking for it and they still aren't calling it. So even when they're looking to call it, it's still too close to call because he's just so precise, which is just super cool um, and just adds to how incredible he is. And that's the strength of this team. The offensive line and the defensive line of the Eagles is where they dominate. They want to run the ball down your throat and they want to sack the quarterback and get a, at the quarterback. And them getting pressure with four makes their secondary much better. They have a good secondary. And if you everything about Philly, the rushing attack, the defense, Jalen Hurts doesn't even have to do too much. Everything tells you that the Philadelphia Eagles should win this game. They dominated all year. They had a couple of fluke losses. They lost when Gardner Minshew was starting over Jalen Hurts. But even with a 70, 80, 90% healthy Jalen Hurts, like he's probably more healthy than he was a couple weeks ago, and he looked fine. They're going to run the ball. They're going to get after Mahomes, who's probably not fully healthy on that ankle. And Philly should dominate this game. They should win this game without any question. And so 70% of the money is on Philly. And a lot of the money is coming in on Philly also because of that script, quote unquote, that was leaked. If you don't know what I'm talking about, um, it was Arian Foster went on the Macro Dosing podcast. It's a Barstool Sports podcast uh, with PFT. And he said, yeah, uh, the league is scripted. We would get a script at the beginning of every season um, and we'd 
read the script and that would be the script for the season. And it's kind of funny, like, you know, there were so many great memes and the Twitter was going crazy with it where like all these guys reacting, like Mark Sanchez getting the script for Thanksgiving when he had to run into, but different stuff like that. It was just very funny how Twitter is awesome. <laughs> it's uh, Twitter's one fun place. And so now if we can't tweet more than 20 times a day and that includes replies and quote tweets, then that Twitter's not going to be as fun. Thank you, Elon. But that's a rumor that's going around out there too. Um, either way, so someone found a way to kind of, it, it looks like it's a screen grab of, I guess, Wikipedia maybe. And it, it's perfect, and it shows that the 2023 has the time, the date, the weather, the t- total time of the game, the location, um, and what the final score was going to be in the game. And it's 37-34 Eagles, and it was actually the like the most, the second most bet on thing was that was the, the that to be the exact score. But a lot of people are betting on the Eagles because of that, I guess. But people are betting on the Eagles because one and a half just doesn't feel like enough. This team is much better than the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs have holes everywhere. You look at the Chiefs. The Chiefs, they have holes on. Their offensive line, it's not great. Their defensive line is not as good. Their linebackers, their secondary is definitely not as good as Philadelphia's secondary. They have holes on the wide receivers, right? They have a bunch of wide receivers who are hurt. They're getting Clyde Edwards to lair back. But if you were to ask me, just based on watching the conference championship games, which quarterback is more hurt, Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts? I would tell you Patrick Mahomes is by far the more hurt quarterback. So there's a lot going on in this game that would lead you to think that it's Philadelphia. And that's why 70% of the money is on Philadelphia. And yet the line hasn't moved at all. The line hasn't become minus four and a half. So what's Vegas telling you? Are they just trying to bait people into betting the Kansas City Chiefs because they're trying to scare you out of betting Philly? Or are they that terrified of one guy and one guy who I just read his whole resume and all the accolades he has so far in Patrick Mahomes? Patrick Mahomes is the most special quarterback we've ever seen, and it's hard to bet against him. But it's him. It's Andy Reid. They've been there before. Andy Reid versus his old team. A little revenge. Travis Kelsey, who's going to set, if he scores a touchdown, he's going to set the record for the most receiving touchdowns. He's going to pass Rob Gronkowski in the playoffs for playoff touchdowns. I mean, it's special what they're building. It's the building of a dynasty. And just the fact that they made it this far with Patrick Mahomes and his health situation, I don't think that matters. Mahomes hurt or not. He's special. The other side of it, people have brought this up a lot, is who are the, here are the quarterbacks that Philadelphia has beaten. Right At the end of the day, they were so good, they were dominant all season long. And it's like, oh, who have you beaten? Well, you can only beat the people who are on your schedule, but people are still using it. So in week one, they beat Jared Goff. There was their first win of the season, and they gave up 35 points to Jared Goff, though, in that game. They beat Kirk Cousins. They beat Carson Wentz, Trevor Lawrence, Kyler Murray, Cooper Rush, Kenny Pickett, Davis Mills, the aging Matt Ryan, who I think they sacked 10 times in that game. They beat Aaron Rodgers, but they gave up 33 points to Rodgers in that game. They beat Tannehill. They beat Daniel Jones. They beat Justin Fields. They gave up 40 points to Dak Prescott and lost, by the way. Also, they lost to Tyler Heineke and gave up 32 points to him. They then beat Davis Webb, then Daniel Jones a second time, and then last week they essentially beat no one, although you have to give them credit. They're the ones who knocked Purdy out of the game. So everyone's saying, well, they're not that great. But like I said, this game is going to be one in the trenches. O-line, D-line is the biggest story, and maybe it's not the sexiest story, but that's going to be the biggest story in this game. So a couple of things to look out for when you're watching this game. Number one, and I heard this from uh, Jeff Schwartz, who actually played for the Kansas City Chiefs, won a Super Bowl with the Kansas City Chiefs, obviously. So he knows what he's talking about. Um, he, number one, he said, 
should they decide to bump Travis Kelsey at the line? Should the Eagles decide to bump Travis Kelsey at the line? Because really, he is the number one option in the middle of the field. Um, there, there's a couple things, and Andy Reid might do this. He might bait the Eagles into trying to chip and trying to bump Kelsey at the line. Um, if you put Kelsey at the line to try and help on the defensive line, then it might slow the line down, and that would actually benefit Patrick Mahomes. Um, if they're trying to bump, because they're just going to rush four. That's what the Eagles are going to do. They're going to get pressure with four. They're not going to blitz Patrick Mahomes. They'd be dumb to do that. If they decide to blitz Patrick Mahomes, he's going to tear them up. But if they decide to bump Kelsey, that'll also buy Mahomes a little bit more time. And he could also, you know, roll and scramble a little bit in the pocket to the side that Kelsey's on. And then later in the game, they can adjust by then moving Kelsey out wide and then have him open without being able to chip him. So there's a couple of things, ways that they can use Kelsey. On the other side, Chris Jones and Frank Clark, it seems like all of a sudden in the playoffs, they turn into different players. And I really do think that Kansas City is going to have a good time getting pressure with four, even against this great Eagles offensive line. And so all of a sudden, you took these this giant, I guess advantage that it seems like the Eagles have with their offensive line defensive line which no one's arguing is much better than the Chiefs O-line and D-line and with three players you've minimized it you have Travis Kelsey who's one of the great tight ends of all time and one of the smartest tight ends of all time who can use him you can scheme him in to both help in the blocking game and then help scheme him open by using him in the blocking game um, you could help scheme him open for Patrick Mahomes and also, on the other side, you have Frank Clark and you have Chris Jones, who are like in the playoffs, they turn into two possessed men coming after the quarterback. But how is it going to manifest itself for Jalen Hurts? Well, Jalen Hurts, his shoulder is injured, so he can run. He's going to want to run. And if he sees pressure, he's going to end up scrambling. So that's kind of what they want to do. So that works in Philadelphia's favor, right? If you're going to get pressure on the quarterback, then he'll just scramble. He'll gain yards that way, whereas Patrick Mahomes on the other side... I don't think he's going to run as much. He's going to want to stay in the pocket and throw, especially with that ankle. Even if he's scrambling, it's going to be like we saw a couple weeks ago where he's scrambling in the pocket to throw downfield. He never really took off and ran. A few times he looked like he wanted to, and then he couldn't. So if he can't do that, that's going to be a big problem for the Chiefs, whereas getting pressure on the quarterback almost gives Jalen Hurts the advantage because then if you get pressure on him, all right, I'll just escape out of here and run. So I, I think that's... An advantage, and that's something to watch for. So, like I said, a few things to watch for. Watch Travis Kelsey, what he's doing. Is he playing at the line? Is he playing outside? What's he doing? Um, watch what they do, Chris Jones specifically, and Frank Clark, how they're playing early on. If the Chiefs are able to get pressure with four, if the Chiefs are bringing pressure, will Jalen Hurts then just take advantage and take off and run, or will he still try and target downfield and throw at the not great Chiefs secondary? And Patrick Mahomes, can he scramble outside the pocket? and still throw downfield, or is he going to have to also try and take off and run on that bad ankle? Those are a few things to watch for uh, in this game. Also watch for Lane Johnson. Maybe the NFL does call a false start or two on him, and that'll be an interesting storyline after them not calling it all year. All right, we have some prop bets. Um, I asked my friends to help me out with this one. Just some fun prop bets to um, throw in there, and I'm not going to. I'll give you my bet soon, but just some prop bets that you can bet, make some money on. A non-QB pass attempt um, is one, and it, I think a non-QB pass touchdown is plus 1,300. I got this from a friend of mine. But over two and a half players, meaning that there will be someone other than Mahomes 
and Hurts to attempt to pass in this game is plus 140. And the reason I like that bet so much is because maybe these quarterbacks aren't fully healthy. Maybe Chad Henney has to come in for a play or two. Maybe they do run a Wildcat or one of those Philly Philly specials that feels like every big game has one of those now. And it's a wide receiver throwing a pass. Um, and Or maybe it's, you know, Gardner Minshew has to come in for a play for Jalen Hurts. So that's a fun bet. I like that bet. At plus 140, another friend texted me, Kelsey, to have 50-plus yards and any time touchdown. I already told you I like him for a touchdown. But if you combine those two, that gets you to plus odds, plus 107. One I like a lot is Hurts to have over 10.5 rushing attempts. The reason I like this is, like I said, every time that pressure comes, he's just going to take off and run, especially if he can't throw the deep ball with that shoulder bothering him a little bit. Um, he's just going to want to take off and run a little bit more. Uh, so I do like that a lot. And then also, if you think they're going to win the game, you should definitely like that because kneel downs, uh, each one path counts as a uh, rush attempt. So if, even if you don't think he's going to gain a lot of yards rushing, um, then that's why the attempts is better than total rushing yards because obviously you get minus two or minus one yard with each one of those kneel downs at the end of the game but it adds a rushing attempt he by the way he had 11 last week he's usually good for 11 or 12 so the line being 10 and a half it's minus 112 uh that's a good number for you to get jalen hurts over on rushing yards and like i said it's always more fun to bet overs than unders a defensive player to win mvp we talked about the defensive lines in this game Maybe it's just a defensive low-scoring game where the quarterbacks are both not fully healthy. They throw a couple picks where one team wins, but especially if the Eagles win, if Hertz is like, I don't know, he throws two picks, one touchdown, and he he runs for 60 yards, but he also passes for only like 185 yards. We've seen them do this and win games like that, and the running backs each run, Canewell and, and Miles Sanders and Boston Scott each combine for like 120 yards, but none of them has a crazy game individually, and they win the game, so... Or maybe it's the other side and Frank Clark really just goes crazy or Chris Jones goes crazy. So a um, a defensive player to win the Super Bowl MVP is plus 790. I like that bet as a long shot bet. And any non-quarterback, and this can include Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders goes off as a crazy game. Or Travis Kelsey, like I said, he's the key to their game plan. And Travis Kelsey has, I don't know, 10 catches for 150 yards and two touchdowns. Something crazy like that where Mahomes is struggling all game, but all of a sudden Kelsey is just takeover mode and turns into prime Gronk uh, and, and Mahomes in the second half goes to him every single time. And Mahomes threw two picks in the first half, but he threw two touchdowns to Kelsey in the second half. And that's how they win the game. Uh, any non quarterback to win is plus two sixty, So that's nice. Also now, before I get to my pick, I'm going to give you both sides and then I'll reveal the pick in a second. The reason to take Philly Philly's coming in hot. They dominated in the playoffs so far. I talked about they didn't really face anyone, but they crushed the competition they faced. They've been the best team in the league all year. There's no reason to doubt them now. They have the best offensive line in the game. They have the best defensive line. They have a better running game. They have the better receiving core. They have the better everything other than quarterback, the better cornerbacks, everything but the quarterback position. And they've been good enough. And Jalen Hurts was playing like an MVP. If he plays like the MVP he played like earlier in the year, why shouldn't they win this game? There's no reason for them not to win this game. It's tough to stop them. If, if you stop their running backs, then their quarterback can run. If you stop the run, which is hard to do, then they'll pass on you. There's so many different things they can do. There's no reason for them to lose this game. On the other side, Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs kind of struggled a little bit, right? They stumbled, could have lost to Jacksonville when Patrick Mahomes went out. And then Cincinnati had the ball twice. I thought Cincinnati was going to win that game. 
This is why I said the refs didn't decide the game because in the last eight minutes, Cincinnati got the ball twice with a chance to drive down the field and just go ahead and end the game and win it with either one of those drives, and they didn't do it. So they almost get lucky, and credit to the Chiefs' defense for making plays, but it was almost like, Cincinnati, what are we? you blew it. It felt like Cincinnati blew it a little bit. So the Chiefs coming in almost a little bit slow. So if you want to bet the Eagles, like, I get it. Bet the Eagles. And if you're going to bet the Eagles, bet them with some juice. Like, get it to look at the alternate spreads. One and a half is nothing. I don't know. Go look at minus six and a half if you're going to bet the Eagles. Like, I'm going to look that up real quick. Um, I should have looked this up earlier. I looked up all the other odds earlier, but somehow I forgot to, to look this up. Let me get you an alternate spread on the Super Bowl. If you bet the Eagles minus six and a half, you're getting plus 186. Minus seven and a half to win more by a t- than more than a touchdown is plus two forty. That's like good odds for you to bet. Like it's almost two to one if you bet. Basically, minus seven is about two to one if you like the Eagles that much. And if you like that pick, uh, this is a fun tip. And this, you know, if you want a little long shot, bet the last score to be a defensive touchdown. I couldn't find the odds on that, but it's it will be there on FanDuel. I just didn't look through all. There's a thousand bets up there. Um, I mean, you could bet the coin toss. You could bet the Gatorade. I like to bet the over on Chris Stapleton singing uh, the national anthem. He's going to let those words ride. And the home of the... And as he's holding the the, you're like, oh, yeah, just go a little longer, man. Um, (laughs) Chris Stapleton, my guy. Um, Anyway, (laughs) I might cut that. I'm not going to cut that. I like keeping it natural, but um, I sound like a fool. Um, It's part of it. It's it's all part of the, you know, you got to be yourself, got to be authentic. Um, so yeah, uh, Chris Stapleton to go over, I think it's like at 200 seconds or something like that. Something like that for the national anthem, which is long, like a nice, good two minute national anthem. Plus no, I think it was like two minute national anthem. Like that, that was the best, something like that. Anyway, not the point. The point is bet the over cause overs are fun. And then you'll be hanging on every word, hoping he just drags it out as long as he can. Um, also, tails never fails. You could also bet, I saw this, that I think eight years in a row, the team that won the toss has lost the Super Bowl. Um, also, the guy, and so you could bet the team to, you know, bet one team. If to if you like one team to win, then bet one team to win the toss and then lose this, the game, vice versa. Um, and then also the guy who bet the incorrect winner for, I think it's 14 years in a row now, is betting on the Eagles. But I see why he's betting on the Eagles. And what I started saying before was the last score of the game to be a defensive touchdown, the reason why is because if the last play is one of those like uh, scramble plays where they're doing a bunch of laterals and stuff like that, and then defensive player picks it up and runs into the end zone, that generally tends to happen. So if you like the the, the Eagles to win, you could bet them like minus seven and a half because obviously it'd be more than a touchdown if they're trying to go through for like the, you know, those laterals at the end of the game. And it, gets you could parlay that with the last score to be a defensive touchdown I'll probably get you like super crazy odds anyway that would be that would be fun for you but if you like the Eagles like I said if you like the Eagles take them and take them to win by more than a point and a half point and a half seems small there's no reason why they should be favored by so little right but all that said it's hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes he's my guy he's the MVP he's the MVP for a reason and when all else fails it seems like he's just going to be there at the end and if he's the only reason, if it's him and Andy Reid and those guys, it's it's still tough to bet against. It's still hard to see that maybe, maybe, maybe the Eagles will falter a little bit and the Chiefs pull it out. So I'm going to give you my pick as, lo- as well as uh, a bunch of my other prop bets right after a word from our sponsor. 
Today's picks are brought to you by Co36. You may know that I recently took a job with Fox Sports. What you might not know is I travel around a ton for sports. I travel for my podcast, whether I'm in the studio for the radio station, whether I'm at home working for Fox, or whether I'm traveling for sporting events. I want to be comfortable, but I want to look good and look presentable. The way I do that, Co36, this is their branded hoodie. I love it. It's my favorite hoodie. I wear it all the time. It's soft. It's stretchy. It's lightweight. It's comfortable. It is literally the best clothing that I've had. They are the perfect modern day office wear brand um, and if you use the code holiday 10 now you get 10 percent off your first order there is a link in the description of the episode and they are the official sponsor of the rami la vie podcast pick segment again that's co 36 co and then spell out the words 36.com go there visit them today Thank you, as always, to our sponsors. And here it is, my Super Bowl pick for Super Bowl 57. <sighs> Look, my future, I had it on them. I have them at plus 800 from October already. You know where I'm going with this. I'm going with my heart. I'm not going with my brain. I'm going with my gut. And what my gut tells me is that this is the most special quarterback I've ever seen. And he's going to figure out a way to win no matter what. And he might be down in this game, and it might be it might feel tough, but he's going to win this game. Um, I'm also going to bet Goddard 40-plus yards. So just to be clear, I'm talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. My pick for the Super Bowl is the Kansas City Chiefs to win the game, and I'm going to put them in a bunch of different bets because I want to have a rooting interest in this game. I don't want it to be... And I was right, by the way, when I said this about the Chiefs last week, I... I put the Chiefs in every single bet and I sweat it out and I think it's going to be a close game and I think maybe if the Chiefs go up by a, a little bit then I'll hedge a little bit on the Eagles or maybe I'll hedge a little on the Eagles like minus six and a half like I said an alternate spread like that but I don't want to hedge I want the Chiefs to win I'm rooting for greatness I'm rooting for Patrick Mahomes I'm rooting for Andy Reid I'm rooting for the dynasty I'm rooting for the guy to add another MVP and another mantle to the trophy to win so I'm going to bet Mahomes to win Super Bowl MVP at plus 130. I'm going to bet Frank Clark to record a sack and for the Chiefs to win at plus 280. Um, I'm going to bet the Chiefs again straight up. I already did bet the Chiefs. Uh, I got them right after they won the championship game. So I think at that point it was plus. I'll pull it up for you right here. So I have the exact number that I have them at. I have them at plus 118. So I have them twice. One at plus 800 straight up and then at plus 118. Uh, and then I have a parlay at plus 246, the Chiefs to win, Travis Kelsey, anytime touchdown score, and Patrick Mahomes to have over 225 passing yards. And then I have Jody Fortson to catch a touchdown. The only reason why anytime touchdown score was because uh, Bill Simmons and Cousin Sal always do this thing. It's plus 12,000 or 1,200. And it's a crazy long shot bet, but they always do this thing. They pick one long shot guy to win, and I've always wanted to bet it with them. And now I can legally bet it with them um and this guy he's the third string tight end for the chiefs so maybe if they run like a tight end set inside the red zone where they use kelsey as a decoy or whatever and he slips out and throw a touchdown to him i don't know who knows i think he's caught like five passes all year this year but he's the long long odds touchdown guy and then i also have and this is a fun one for me the eagles have been the best for or the best second quarter team in the nfl this year and i've always talked about how the eagles have been so good in second quarters and then they've kind of fallen off and like not held on to lead super well. So I have the Eagles to win the first half and Kansas City to win at the end of regulation. That's a parlay and it's plus 750. Those are my bets. Those are my picks for the Super Bowl. Again, 
Mahomes to win MVP, the Chiefs to win, the Chiefs to win outright in a bunch of different ways. Chiefs parlayed with Kansas City. Uh, Chiefs parlayed with, they are Kansas City. Chiefs to parlayed with Travis Kelsey to score. Um, and then also the Eagles to win the first half. But something that hasn't happened to them all year, it feels like they just sit on these big leads. They get these leads and they just sit on them. But the great Patrick Mahomes to come back and beat them in the second half. That bet, if, if the Eagles are up at the half, that bet is live the whole way through. That'll be fun also. Um, so you know where my rooting interest is, but I just want to see a great game. I want to see the two teams that are really the best teams and have been the best teams in the league all year uh, go at it in the Super Bowl. It should be really fun. Enjoy the game. We'll be right back here right after the Super Bowl to talk to you. To recap it all, then Wednesday, we're going to be talking NBA, uh, NBA more NBA trade deadline, talking about uh, the Knicks a little bit also and what the next step might be for them, what their potential is this season uh, with a friend of mine and a whole bunch of other stuff on the podcast. So a lot coming up, a lot to look forward to. If you like it, share it, please. Um, and until next time, enjoy the Super Bowl. I'll see you all later. You were the best nights of my life. You got the light that always shines. I miss the way that you move and the way I get high. When you take me to your eyes, like I'm standing in the sky. Your subway cars and your old graffiti I breathe your air when I land in another city I'll be that one that's got you printed on my bones Yeah, you're all I know Everywhere I go, oh, oh, I change it all oh, oh, Always on my road, I'm still New York Drive down Riverside, see the birds flying on the high line. With the sidewalks burning, we pray for rain in July. I want the Yankees 99, yeah. and the Knicks on a soaked out night. When the curtains close and the Broadway streets are alive. Hey. I need your heartbeat close, don't you ever leave me. And I breathe your air when I land in another city.
ain't saying it all, no. I ain't saying it all. Oh, I'm still young.